This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up? What's up? What's going on, y'all? You got your boy LP here. What's up? Uh, welcome to another episode of a Cincy fan talking with LP. And once again, this is LP. Kind of came out a little bit like I was about to start a rap concert, you know? Like, yo, yo, yo. But nah, we 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 not doing that. Um, what what's up, y'all? Hope everybody doing well. Um, if you are around Cincinnati or in Cincinnati or in any one of the, I don't know. 50,000 states that got bombarded with snow. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope y'all doing all right. Um uh, right now our driveway is an absolute mess and everybody's driveway around us is an absolute mess. It's like I I, I might post a picture on my Twitter page about this. It's literally a coating of ice underneath a blanket of snow. And it is not moving. It's absolutely ridiculous. I was outside chiseling like I was working on some kind of train rail or something like that. And all the neighbors, we trying to figure out ways to melt the ice underneath the snow. We need some sunshine. Like We, we need some 50-degree weather or something like that to come through here because I'm not shoveling that. Like, uh, you know what? I won't even try to pull the tough car. I can't shovel that. <laughs> like, I literally cannot get underneath it to shovel it. So, if you like me, I, I hope I hope y'all doing all right. Keep that hot chocolate on deck, man. Um, it's it's Super Bowl week, which is very weird to say that it's Super Bowl week in Cincinnati. We all prepping for the big game. Uh, against the Rams, so we're going to talk a little bit about how that's setting up, and we sat down over the past couple of nights and watched an entire documentary. We're going to talk about it. It was it, it was something else, so we're going to get into that too, but last week I was, I came on here, I was, I was kind of in my feelings. Um, I, I want to apologize for that. Like <laughs> that, that's how I felt. And I, I like to give it to y'all how I feel. So I was, I was in my feelings about how all of these um, coaches and GMs are getting done by the NFL, uh, really because of skin color. Um, at some point I had to realize, talk to myself and go like, I need to enjoy the moment because this isn't new. It's been like this for a very long time. And what I need to do is kind of release that for a little bit and enjoy something that hasn't happened since I was like nine, 10 years old. So 
I, I'm kind of letting it go because I know it'll be there and I can pick it back up. And I'm going to fully embrace the fact that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I'm going to breathe it in. I'm going to breathe in those good Super Bowl vibes because, I mean, honestly, this don't happen every day. And if and if you're a Bengals fan, you, you know damn well that this does not happen every day. It's been such a meteoric rise from the Bengals being seven and six and down in the dumps after getting popped by Cleveland. Going on a um on a six and one, seven and one run after that, it, it's been amazing. And the one loss was to the Browns, but you know, the Bengals didn't play any of the starters, so we weren't really tripping off of that. Our position was solidified. So I'm gonna kind of walk y'all through the week is being so far up to this point. Um a week of Super Bowl talk on every single channel. And at first it was well, every single local channel. And at first it was super informative, you know, kind of sort of giving breakdowns on the game and stuff like that. And after a while, it just kind of turned into, it seemed like we are running out of news. So now we start getting the so-and-so's a fan and this fan's 10 years old and loves the Bengals and we get like a 15 minute. It's, it's getting a little ridiculous. I'm, I'm suffering from... Super Bowl fatigue already. I really want the game to start. I, I really want the Bengals to get out there and do what they can do against the Rams. This will be a very tough game. But I'm feeling Super Bowl fatigue setting in. I needed a game <laughs> to kind of break that so I could talk about something else. But the only thing that was on was the Pro Bowl. Yikes. <laughs> So the Pro Bowl watched me for about three hours because I was dozing off. I was typing stuff. I mean, it was on. You know, football was on. And the thing about it is the Pro Bowl doesn't really upset me. A lot of people are up in arms about, you know, the Pro Bowl. They need to take it seriously. And, you know, it looks like it's just two-hand touch out there. And it's just not really much. Come on. It's an exhibition between two squads that have the best players in the league think about every single exhibition every single all-star game you can possibly think of all those real games baseball might be the closest thing to it because i mean sometimes baseball gets a little stuffy with their traditions and whatnot and they can do some stuff to jazz that up as well but you think about the nhl you think about basketball they're full-blown exhibitions and they don't hide it i mean in basketball they're playing absolutely no defense until maybe the fourth quarter. But there's no defense. They they chucking up three-point shots from, from half court. They letting people go past them so they can get they, they freaky dunks off and all of that. And we embrace the fact that it's basically pickup game. It's a pickup basketball game. People need to understand that when it comes to the NFL Pro Bowl game, these players are not about to sacrifice life and limb for 80,000 bucks and mess up their bag for the next season. That's not happening. We need to just embrace the fact that this is a fake game. What I like about the game are all the new rules. They got this one thing that they were doing where a team scores, you know, they get three points, they get seven points. And then they can choose to either let the uh, receiving team get the ball at the 25, 30-yard line, or they can keep the ball and go for a fourth and 15. And if they get it, they get the ball back. 
that needs that real life needs to be a rule in the NFL. I mean, think about how games are. Somebody's down two scores in the fourth quarter, and there's only three minutes left, and they only have one timeout. They score a touchdown. Now they're down seven. They get to keep the ball and go for fourth and fifteen, and if they get it, boom, brand new ball game. Let's go. That that's something that really needs to happen. The NFL really needs to consider doing that. Now, when one real life blowout, so I would say a team has to be down at least sixteen points in order to do that, because. You can't have people just going crazy and the other team not touching the ball ever in the game. Like that could real life happen. Like, <laughs> like some of these offenses, they they real life crazy. But imagine the interest you would be able to pick up for your sport if you just let that one small thing happen. That's what I like about the Pro Bowl. They get to try out all of these brand new rules. And if it's interesting in the Pro Bowl, if it works out, you might see it in a real NFL game. But as far as changing the Pro Bowl, Nah, leave that alone. Leave it just like it is. I mean, I remember back in the day, uh, I think it was like a rookie um, running back. I think it was Robert Edwards. He played for the uh, New England Patriots. Um, He was playing flag football during, um, you know, the Pro Bowl events and tore up his his leg. And he was out for like a year or so, and it really messed his career up. Imagine something like that happening in an NFL Pro Bowl game because we quote unquote want the players to take it seriously no i cringe every time somebody ran up to make a tackle i cringed every time you know when i was actually watching it i'm like oh this is about to get ugly and then it's kind of let them go straight past their point like hey i would have had him right here but it's playing for real that's how it should be there's no need to risk life and limb for this like chill out it is just a fake game i mean it really is if it was a real game, you would see him here for real. So, so I spent Sunday like that, and now we're prepping for the big game, the game that our Bengals are actually in. Now, I kind of feel some type of way when people say, you know, my team or we when we're talking about, you know, sports teams. But you've got to understand something. And if you're a real, true Blue Bengals fan, then you understand where I'm coming from when I say this. We've been through hell and back with this team. We've witnessed Carson Palmer's leg getting messed up. We've witnessed four straight playoff losses. We've went through the 90s. That's all I got to say about that. Like, like we've, we've been through the 90s. Such a such a dark period of time for the Bengals squad. We went through that game in 2015 against Pittsburgh. You know, the Jeremy Hill fumble and our squad just self-implodes. We've been through all of that. And now we're here. That's why I kind of had to tell myself, you know, take a deep breath, LP, you know, breathe in what's happening because this is absolutely awesome. We're going to have to hit La Rosa's. That's the uh, one of the local you know, pizza spots around here. And we have to do what we've done every single playoff game. Um, I'm not the, I told y'all before, I'm not the really the superstitious type, but it worked the first time and it worked the second time and it worked the third time. So now we got to keep doing it. We got to get two large pizzas and we got to get 40 wings. 
they gotta be loving us up there. I mean, <laughs> we 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 spend it bank. But hey, if the Bengals win, it's worth it. And if they don't, it's worth it because we we smashing on good food. <laughs> but I'll kind of say this about the breakdown of the game. A lot of people are saying it's gonna come down to you know, the Bengals being able to block the all-world Rams defensive line. And no joke, no no cap at all. They got some ballers on that line, and it could get scary. But my first point is this. The Bengals have been dealing with this all year long. It's really nothing new to see a defensive line and automatically worry like, dang, can our boys block them? We've been worried about that all year. <laughs> like this is this is old hat. Burrow knows he has to float back and he has to get the ball out of his hand quickly. My first point is this is gonna be a Joe Mixon game. That's the way I see it. And nobody really is talking too much about that. I feel like primetime Joe Mixon is set to go off in this game because the defensive line, they're going to be looking to get home quick. And the way that they play, usually the Rams, they're only rushing four. And if they're only rushing four, it's going to be really easy to run block. So if Joe Mixon goes for at least 100 yards, I feel like the Bengals are going to win this game. You you heard it here first. If Mixon gets 100 or more yards, the Bengals have this game in the bag. That's point number one. Point number two is this. The Bengals by design have a defense that's not necessarily built to stop you from stop you from getting yards. They're built to stop you from getting touchdowns. So my second point is this. If you see the Rams just moving the ball up and down the field, don't fret. Don't stress out. Don't go like, oh, this defense is trash. This down the third. Our defense is built for the red zone. The Bengals will let you have all of that stuff. They'll give you the 20-yard completion. They'll just go ahead and let you dink and dunk or whatever. But once you get past the 20-yard line and you're looking to get into the red zone, that's when the Bengals' defense is best because by nature, they only blitz four. (laughs) So you'll see seven people sitting back, and that's how they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Instead of sitting seven back, they sat eight back. So the Chiefs are kind of getting those yards, getting those yards. But at some point, the Chiefs are like, we want it all at once. You can't do that when you have seven people back. You can't do that when you have eight people back. So if the Bengals are giving up field goals, that's going to be how you can tell that the Bengals are doing well. If they're giving up yards and yards and yards and field goals, it's a good day because the longer you do that, the more likely it is to get a turnover. And that's where the Bengals strive. If you see the Rams just driving down the field and punching it in touchdown after touchdown, be a little concerned. So those are my two points. Mixon has to go off, and I feel like he will. And the defense... They basically have to play their bend but don't break strategy. And honestly, that's how it is in football, period, nowadays. 
the way that the rules are set up and whatnot, it's it's hard to stop somebody from scoring, y'all. It really is. So if you can give up three and not seven, it's all good. Me personally, I got Bengals 31. I got Rams 27. That's where I'm going. I mean, you can bet on that if you want to. Don't blame me if it don't happen. <laughs> like, don't come at me looking for your money back. But I feel like the Bengals are going to have a strong first half this time. And I feel like they're going to be up going into halftime. I feel like the Rams are going to make a stand and they're going to make a nice comeback. And I feel like they're, they're going to fall just short. The Bengals are going to get a defensive stand at the end of the game. And they're going to win 31-27. MVP, Joe Mixon. <laughs> I'm, call, I'm calling my shot. I think the MVP of the game is going to be Joe Mixon. I feel like Burrow's going to get it done. I feel like Tyler Boyd is going to have a really good game. Because I could see the Rams double-teaming T. Higgins and Chase. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I can see, like, kind of kind of stacks on top of them, you know, kind of like that tier coverage. And I feel like the Bengals are going to eat right in the middle. C.J. Uzama, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon with the running. I feel like they're going to eat right up the middle. And Joe Mixon's going to go off. I, I, I feel it. And if it happens, it's going to be a cakewalk for the Bengals. So I got 31-27, Bengals over the Rams, MVP, Joe Mixon. That's where I'm at with it. So um, definitely let me know what you think. Let me know um, what your final score is. Let me know who you think the MVP is going to be as well. Um, you know, you can let me know how you think it's going to happen, why you think it's going to happen. Hey, <laughs> it's a it's an open forum. Just let me know how you feel about it. Um, and also, let me know what you're looking forward to the most about the game. Um, I know my wife is always looking forward to the to the commercials, except for this year. <laughs> but usually it's all about the commercial. I can't lie. They're usually pretty funny. So let me know what you're looking forward to the most about the game. Um, we'll be right back. You got a Cincy fan talking with ALP. We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess. And I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with ALP. And this is a sensitive fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm-hmm. What's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? We are back. We are back. You got a sensitive fan talking with LP, and of course, this is LP. And, you know, normally on the pod, I'm letting y'all know what I'm watching on the tube because I am a TV watcher extraordinaire. I'm pretty much watching everything and anything. And if there's something really interesting out there, I kind of let y'all kind of like to let y'all know about it. So the wife and I, we sat down and watched part one of We Need to Talk About Cosby. And... It was so compelling that we watched the second part. And then the next night we watched the third part. <laughs> and then the last and then last night we watched the fourth part. Um, it's all streaming on Showtime. Um, if you got Showtime on demand, you can kind of check it out there. 
Um, if you got the app, you can check out the app because all four episodes are posted. Um, I think they're running them week by week currently. So if you happen to be one of the few people that got cable like me, you can catch it like that or on demand. Um, I got to say, this is probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, w. Kamal Bell usually does a great job with his stuff. And this one was, it it was different because how he feels is spliced in there throughout the entire thing. Um, even if I give you spoilers, you're probably going to see this anyway. So I try to give you as few spoilers as possible. The interesting thing about it was, you know, in a lot of, I, 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 would, I would venture to say black people. I would say that. Um, in a lot of our heads, I would say a lot of people's heads, actually, um, people kind of separate what Cosby um, did <laughs> with who he was. And they seem to think it was like two completely different time periods. And I thought this documentary did a really good job of showing you that it was all happening at the same time. Like his ascent to stardom and all that stuff was happening at the same time that all of this stuff, you know, was happening. I mean, I don't know if you got to say accused or not. I don't know. But the crazy thing about this is that it did an excellent job of telling you all of the amazing stuff that this man did and it was countered with the horrific stuff that he did as well it's all right there and it's not like it's separate you know we're going to talk about this first and then we're going to talk about this second they're all intertwined like it's all together so they make it that it's very difficult to separate the man from the deeds. And I thought that was really excellent the way it was done. Um, I I talked about Cosby a while ago, and I was talking about how I'm able to watch the Cosby show and kind of go like, you know, this is great television and still go like, I don't, I don't fool with him at all. Like in my head, I could still do that. And they had a lot of speakers basically saying the same thing. And they were like, you know, going through some of the awesome Cosby show moments. Um, I found out through the documentary that he was like one of the pioneers of making sure that black stuntmen were playing, you know, for black actors and actresses. And that was mind blowing. I'm like, I never even thought of that, that they were using white stuntmen back in the day for black actors. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like the continuity would be screwed up and they would paint them in blackface and stuff like that. And Cosby was like, nah, 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 you can't do that. We need black stuntmen for black actors and actresses. And I thought that was really dope. And right after that, immediately after that, they're talking about, you know, some of the first times that the stuff happened and they had like the women, extremely brave women, by the way, like to do what they were doing like speaking about that on camera, extremely brave. And it was all together. It was all intertwined. And it it made you look at some of the stuff you saw in the Cosby show and you kind of saw those Easter eggs. You know what I mean? You kind of 
saw the stuff that he was talking about, you're going like, dang, like, that's creepy now. Like, now that you know the full picture, that's creepy. And the parallels between Cosby and R. Kelly are like, they're, they're right there. Like, they they just kind of fit like a glove because real real talk. These are people that you thought you knew, and these are people that are literally intertwined with people's childhoods. Um, I can't, I can't think of a person that doesn't have like an awesome memory about watching the Bill Cosby show or something like that, or somebody that hears an R. Kelly song and goes like, "Man, I remember that song. I remember, yeah, I was this this age and like all of that stuff kind of sort of goes hand in hand." And I thought that this documentary did a very good job of going like, these are people that you knew. Now, how do you feel about them now that you know everything? How do you feel about them now? And when I hear stuff like this, I always go back to the second season of The Wire and D'Angelo is sitting around talking about um, reading a book. I think it's The Great Gatsby or something like that. And they're asking people, you know, they're asking the inmates, how do you feel about, you know, a certain part of the book? And D'Angelo breaks it down and he's like, you know, you can say that you're whoever. You can change your story. You can move somewhere else. But what happened is what happened. And who you are then is who you are. And it doesn't really matter to somebody say they're different because what happened in the past is who you are. And the only way you can change that is to continue to be a different person so that way you have a different story about your past. And he was like, you know, he was who he was and he did what he did. And all that stuff caught up to him. I could not think of a better way to explain what happened to Bill Cosby. It seemed like, you know, he was a certain person, but we really don't know people the way we think we know people. We just don't, especially people in the public eye. We really don't understand these people. We know their personas. We know what they show us. But, and, and I'll go ahead and say this because I, I hear I hear a lot of black podcasters, black male podcasters, as a matter of fact, just talking reckless about women, black women and stuff like that. And we got to listen when people tell us stuff. Like real, real talk, we really have to listen to people when they tell us things because we can't sit up here and wait until something horrible happens to our daughters or our sisters or our mothers and then we say oh yeah well i understand now everybody's somebody's sister everybody's somebody's mother everybody's somebody's daughter so we can't be up here talking reckless and then when people are telling us things that are happening to them, we go like, nah, nah, he couldn't have done that. That's crazy. Nah, I know him. Do you really? You sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not saying like, you know, that people don't lie and people don't say certain things and people don't try to get people in trouble and stuff like that. You know, it, it does happen. But if you have all of these women saying the exact same story, all of them, they don't know each other. 
but they're saying the same story over and over and over. At some point, you got to be like, something ain't adding up, something ain't right. And I think that's where the documentary excelled because not only did they discuss all of that stuff, but they talked about it in a relationship that it had to do with how we feel like we're being attacked as black people. And maybe that's the environment that made it so that it was easy not to believe these women because black men are under attack every day, all of the time. And black women are basically our main protectors, <laughs> like for real. So it was easy to say, uh, you know, they just trying to take Bill Cosby down. You know, you know how they do us. But when you look at the people talking, there was a lot of black women talking. So I would say you should definitely see the documentary, kind of make your own conclusions. Um, it, it just did a really good job of telling everything. They kind of put Cosby not really on a pedestal, but they let you know all of the good that he contributed to, you know, our black culture. And then not on the other hand, like, let me make that clear. It wasn't like, well, he did this. And then on the second half hour, it was all intertwined together. So it makes it really, really, really difficult to go like, oh, you know, he kind of changed who he was as a person. But it was all in the same timeline. And I, I, I would just encourage people to listen. When people tell you things, listen. Don't be so dismissive because if you're super dismissive about things, then it's going to make it difficult for that person to tell anybody else. And then you kind of get that shut down thing and it lets people operate in this way that, you know, I can do whatever because nobody's going to say anything. You know, I'm good. And it, it was it was excellent in that regard. It told you everything. And. I mean, for me, it, it it was just one of those, one of not not really like a light bulb moment because I've always felt this way, but it was really one of those moments to where you know, I, I've I've said this last week, you know, I'm always saying this: be an ally, be be somebody that people can depend on to speak up for them when they can't speak up for themselves. Like I would challenge everybody to do that. And everybody can do that, no matter the color, like no matter your gender. Um, be a voice to speak up for people that can't speak up for themselves. If somebody's not listening to somebody, be that voice to kind of pick somebody up and say, look, if nobody's listening to you, maybe they'll listen to me. So definitely check that out. It was, it, it was really a mind-blowing documentary. Um, I think I got some snow to chisel. Nah, we'll, we'll we'll wait a couple of hours. We'll, we'll we'll let some stuff melt. Um, yeah, I'm really not looking forward to that. <laughs> hey, we're gonna go ahead and be out. Uh, you got a sensey fan talking with LP, and as always, y'all, life is good. Peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's the Sensi Fan Talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. 
Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good.